It's Zoe Time. Welcome to the Zoe Time Show presented by HoopsandBrews.com. I will be your host for the day, Daniel Belts. Um, let's just get out of the way real quick. Follow me on at Zoe Time Podcast on Twitter as well as Instagram, as well as follow Hoops and Brews on Twitter as well. Instagram and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts is where you can hear all of their additional content as well as mine. And um, yeah, the NBA season is in full swing, and the Lakers are starting to finally look like a team that's come together, that's looking pretty damn good at the moment. Yes, I know our schedule has been pretty weak to begin the season, outside of a, I mean, a couple tough games. Um, it's not like they've been that easy, though. The only easy games I would say that the Lakers have had this year are the two times we faced Phoenix and the Cleveland Cavalier game. Um, anytime you face the Phoenix Suns, you should win. I'm surprised that they even have four wins. They look absolutely garbage. And when I think of the Lakers' young core and when I think of the absolute worst, I look at Phoenix. And I'm like, that could have been us. We could have been terrible, 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 like, for many of years. They have currently more lottery picks on their team right now for the past four or five years and they do wins and that's just terrible that's not where you want to be as a franchise and i'm just glad that our young core has stepped up and actually helps our team win games and is going to be a part of a very bright future and you can't say that about the phoenix suns everywhere else it seems like teams have good young cores that are producing um you look at cleveland even they look more promising than the phoenix suns they actually compete in games they don't get blown out um, Dallas has a great young core. Sacramento has a good young core. Philly has a great young core minus Fultz. Um, even the Nets look promising, although Levert got hurt. So you just look across the league and you see all these young cores and you see the Lakers keeping up with everyone else. And I mean, they're 14 to nine right now. We're five games above 500 and the Lakers just look like a actual NBA team that is going to make some noise come playoff time. Um, it's been a while since we've actually made some noise in the playoffs. It's been a while since we've been above 500 as well, five games. The last time the Lakers were five games above 500, it was the game before Kobe tore his Achilles, and that is a day that Laker fans hate to bring up, myself included, but there is beauty in the pain at times, and it's just kind of a good time to reflect on how far we've come. Um, shit, Obama was still in office during the um, during the last time the Lakers made the playoffs. Um, I think Avengers: Age of Ultron hadn't even come out yet. Um, there were just a lot of things that were different in 2013 than 2018. It's been five years, half a decade. Um, shit i was 21 in the year of 2013 now i'm 26 a lot of things have changed in everyone's lives and it's crazy um d'antoni was our coach now he's the coach for the rockets uh no one is left from that 2013 team on this team uh, the front office looks different everything about this laker team right now is completely different from that team the only thing that is similar is the lakers had a top five, top 10 player of all time on that 2013 team, which was Kobe Bryant. And now we have LeBron James, who is a top five player of all time. So it's good to see that like 
the Lakers are still getting these top names and like it's it's no more doom and gloom from me. The Lakers are 14 and 9 and we're fifth seed in the West right now. We have two games against the Spurs coming up on this schedule. Hopefully we can win those and like I said, I don't care about the strength of schedule. You guys can go through that and say, "Hey, they're only this because of this." But since we've got Tyson Chandler, we look like a scary team that if we can put it together for four quarters, if all of the Avengers can assemble, we are going to be a dope fucking team come playoff time. In the past 20 games, the Lakers are 14 and 6. That is a 70 win. That is a 70% win percentage. That is fantastic. That's winning seven out of every 10 games. Um, over an 82 game season, that's a 57 win projection. That is dope. That is definite top four seeding, probably three. Um, and with the way the West is right now, it is a absolute dogfight. Like, you look at the number one seed to number 14 seed, and it's separated by six or so games, which is absolutely fucking crazy. And the only team in the West that's not actually competing for a playoff spot is the low-life Phoenix Suns. And for whatever reason this summer, those Suns fans popped off saying they had the best young core to watch out for them come playoff time. And for whatever reason, Devin Booker just, like, he puts up great stats. There's no lie that he is a good stat producer. But when it comes to winning time, he's nowhere to be found. And... That might say a lot about the team, might say a lot about him, might say a lot about just how trash that organization is at drafting the right players and putting together the right team. Um, Dragon Bender and Josh Jackson look like they're lost in the fold. Uh, Aiton puts up stats, but it looks empty. I think their best young piece outside of Devin Booker would be Bridges, and he just seems to play hard. He's a Villanova product like Josh Hart, and you can just see those kind of players just play. They don't care about stats. They don't care about how pretty it looks. They just want to win, and that's what I feel like the Lakers and Magic and Polinka have done well. They've put together people that just care about winning instead of people that just care about their stats, and if you look at how Luke... Rob and Magic have talked about this young core this year is you'll hear the same. They seem to have bought into this team first concept. You hear Alonzo speak. He doesn't care about stats as long as they win. You've seen the same from Josh Hart. You see the same from Ingram and you see the same from Kuzma. All of them want to be playing during crunch time, but not all of them cam at one time. So someone's got to sit out and they've all been pretty positive if their number is getting called to sit on the bench while the rest of the team closes it out. Like there's been games where Kuzma's been on the bench, Lonzo's been on the bench, Hart's been on the bench, or Ingram's been on the bench when we try to close out a game. And it's not just like the coaching staff singles out one person. No. Each member of the young core has sat during a period of the time when it's time to win a game. And you don't hear any of the pouting. You don't hear any of the frustration like you might with other teams. Like I think I've heard some noise from Jalen Brown that he's upset. You don't hear that in LA. We understand that we're a part of something bigger. We're trying to win championships. We're trying to come together as a team. It's team first, not me first. And that's what I feel like the Lakers have done so well at drafting and putting this correct team around everybody. And given the 0-3 start that we had, if we continue the 70% win percentage in the last 20 games that we've had, that would have put us around 55. That's not bad. Going into the season, I said, hey, if everything worked out correctly, if injuries didn't happen, yada, 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 
we'd be at 55, and we haven't been at 55 since, I believe, 2011, which was the um, the year after we went back-to-back, -back, where I thought we were going for a three-peat. That obviously didn't happen. The Mavericks were one hell of a team that year, but recently there are just so many positives around this team. It's no longer just a couple of players playing good while the rest just chill, like... Um, there were a couple games where you only saw like LeBron and Kuzma played well, or you saw LeBron and Lonzo play well, or you saw LeBron and Ingram play well, or you saw like Ingram and Hart play well. No, it's everyone contributing in their own way. And that's the biggest thing I'm excited for. Because it doesn't seem like LeBron's going Super Saiyan just yet. Like we know he has that in the tank, but he still seems like he's allowing others to do what they want to do as well. And he came out today saying, he understands that we're trying to develop the young core as much as we can. He said he can still switch the light and make it just him go Super Saiyan in the playoffs like he did last year. So it's just great to know that that button is there. But we're trying to like take that pressure off of him. We're trying to build a team. We're not trying to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is not a substantial sustainable way to beat the Golden State Warriors. You can't just have LeBron and a bunch of role players. You need these players to become who they're going to become. And I don't know how many of you guys watch Game of Thrones out there, but one of my favorite quotes is from Aemon Targaryen when he's talking to Jon Snow. Before uh, Aemon passes away, he goes, kill the boy, Jon Snow. Winter is coming. It's time to kill the boy and become a man, basically. And that's what these young kids need to do. Yes, they are all so fucking talented. They display it every single night, and they can display it in more than one way. But we need them to be consistent, and that's becoming the man. So once they're able to become the man that they need to be and get rid of this kiddish factor to where they're scared to step up, like uh, Pavi does a great job of like understanding what the Lakers need to do. They almost need to say, like, hey, LeBron, I know we have you, but let me do this. And that's what we need at times from each of these young players, because it can't always be all LeBron. We need Lonzo to step up. We need Hart to step up. We need Kuzma to step up. We need Ingram to step up when the game is on the line. It can't just be, hey, let's let LeBron go ISO, and it is what it is after that. No, we need correct plays being ran. We need people knocking down their open shots. We need people trying both on offense and defense, and that's what's happened recently. And I will talk more about this individually with Lonzo, Kuzma, Hart, and Ingram, but it seems that each player is becoming a two-way player, and that's crazy if that can actually happen. And for, this, for those people out there that just look at box scores like um, HP does, who is a notorious Laker hater, and he only comes around when he's going to hate on the Lakers, but there's, sorry about that, there's more to the game than just scoring. And I don't think enough people realize that. And what's funny is is people hate on Lonzo for his inability to score by himself right now. But he's doing a ton of other things at a very high level. And that's something that a ton of smart NBA people give credit to Dream on Green for. But they don't seem to have that sort of... Um, they don't give that recognition to Lonzo. They just say, he can't score, he's a bust. Yet, one of the most important reasons why the Golden State Warriors have won 3 out of 4 and probably will win 4 out of 5 is because of Draymond Green. 
So it's always good to have one of those players that can impact the game in so many other ways without having to score, without that person needing the ball, without that person having this ego. That's probably one of Draymond Green's best um, qualities as well, is he knows that he's not going to get the ball on offense. He knows he is not looked to as a scorer. He knows the team is at his best when he's playmaking and setting screens for others, rebounding the ball off of a missed shot on offense too, keeping the possession of alive. What has Lonzo done very well recently? He's gotten a lot of boards. He seems to keep a lot of plays alive on the offensive rebounding glass as well. He sets tremendous screens for other players. He runs the plays. He gets a lot of hockey assists as well as actual assists. So I just don't understand when you guys praise one player for doing so, but since he wears purple and gold, you hate him for doing that. So it's just strange. It's just very strange that people do this, but it's actually understandable. They are all jealous of what the Lakers have, and I assume most of these people talking shit on Lonzo haven't won an actual title since 1980, 1990, 2000. They all won their last title before the Lakers did. Because unless you're a LeBron stan that just follows or a Warrior supporter, the Lakers likely have a... um, what's it called, a championship before your favorite team does. And I believe smart enough people that support the Warriors see a little bit, a little bit of Draymond and Lonzo. And for the Spurs, I think Spurs fans are very knowledgeable of the game and they can see how certain players impact the game in certain ways. And I feel like they should be able to see that with Lonzo. And for the LeBron stands, you've been watching LeBron James impact the game in every single way since he's been in the league. So I feel like you guys should also have a grasp of what winning basketball looks like as well, and Lonzo does that. For those others that just have lost and lost and lost who only care about points, you're going to normally tend to, hey, I'm only going to look at the scoring sheet. If Lonzo doesn't score, he's a bust. And that's just my biggest gripe. I feel like people that are accustomed to winning and watching winning basketball understand what Lonzo brings. People that have watched losing basketball for the past 20 years just care about points. And I might actually go into that deeper on another episode because I feel like that's a topic we need to get into as a basketball community, but there's more than just this I need to talk about today. And again, just young core and even the Michael Beasley's, the KCP's, the Tyson Chandler's, the Rajon Rondo's, contribute in your own way, do what you can, and play great defense while at least trying on offense too. And that is a winning formula. And JaVale has bought into that, although JaVale needs to stop with those post-ups. I'm tired of seeing JaVale actually try to score on offense besides a wide-open dunk layup or alley-oop, and that's what Tyson Chandler does very well. He doesn't look for his offensive game because he has none. If he's either going to dunk or lay it up after being spoon-fed a easy basket, or he's going to tip it out after getting the offensive rebound or pass it out. He is very good at understanding how to make a winning play, which is why he was on Team USA, which is why he won a ring with the Dallas Mavericks. He is a championship-caliber player. And like I said, we have a bunch of things to get into today. And before we start off, or before we get into the other more important things of the day, I just want to give a huge shout-out to Kobe Bryant for calling all those fake-ass phonies in Golden State out. And you guys know who you are, and the people taking most offense to this are those former Laker fans or other fans that just popped out to become this warrior fan now um kobe seems to have faith in rob in the front office to build us a championship caliber team soon and 
Yeah, it was just funny as hell seeing Kobe take those shots. It was the uh, Lakers all-access night last night at the Staples Center, and Kobe was there. And, like, when Kobe speaks, he's always this great storyteller, and the fact that he just called out these Golden State Warrior fan bases and kind of, like, sent them just shattered is downright hilarious. And, I mean, what can you say? When Kobe was basically in the league outside of the year that the Warriors beat the Kyrie-less and Kevin Love-less Cavs, the Warriors were irrelevant when Kobe was a NBA player. So it's it's funny as hell seeing all these Warrior fans talk shit when more people turned in to view the Kobe 60 over the Warriors winning 73. Uh, the Lakers had a, I think their peak was 5.1 million views during Kobe 60, while the Warriors only had like 4.5. So it's just funny that on any given night, Kobe was always a better um, better watch for the NBA fan base than them. And that's just hilarious. And, I mean, I don't like to shit talk the Warriors, like players individually, because I love what they all bring to the game. But, I mean, it's it's got to be time for people to keep them in check. Like, if KD didn't join their team, this dynasty wouldn't be a dynasty. And... They like to believe that Steph Curry could have done this by himself with the team they had, but I don't see it, especially when your only title without KD came against a team that was severely underhanded. Like, it is what it is. You guys are going to talk and build up this legacy. I understand it. We've built up, as Laker fans, we've built up people's legacies before with Kobe, with Shaq, with Kareem, with Magic. But I think a little dose of reality is always needed for everyone, even myself, like, Yes, I know how talented those Kobe teams were, those Shaq teams were, those Kareem teams were, those Magic team were. And I know some of the luck that had to go into those championships happening. So I understand that. And as a Laker fan, I should tell Warrior fans, just be grateful for the time that you have because it can all come crashing down. And with how Kevin Durant's been speaking, I actually see that happening very soon. I don't see him staying there for longer than this year, and I actually do think Kevin Durant's coming to LA. Um, let's just transition into my Wild Lakers hot take of the week, and I don't care about playoff seeding. The only team in the West that scares me in the playoffs is those Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors are incredibly known for being able to turn the switch on in an instant, and sometimes they'll even give you, like, they'll even give you a half of basketball where they don't care. Then they come out in the third quarter and just destroy everybody like they did in the last year's playoffs and that's the only team that i'm scared of in the playoffs everyone else i don't see the frightness that i thought of that the west was going to be this year um the rockets look terrible and i don't know why that is it's probably because they lost their wing depth but a team with harden and cp3 and eric gordon and clint capella shouldn't be this blah like i don't understand why they're this blah like even when steph curry was out and draymond was out the warriors still found ways to win games these houston rockets aren't and you could say well certain players are hurt well the warriors had players hurt they didn't fucking fall off a cliff like these rockets have and unless they figure their shit out, the only team that scares me is those Warriors. So I would say, hey, we have LeBron. We have a great supporting cast. 
the only like we could win every other matchup except for the Golden State Warriors. So it just depends on when we find and when we play those Warriors. But if they're the one seed and we can avoid them, there's no reason why the Lakers can't make the Western Conference Finals. And then if injuries happen to the Warriors, who knows? The West is wide open outside of the Golden State Warriors. Like, we could definitely be in the Final Four this year, and that would just be a... That would be awesome. Like, that'd be a huge boost for us going into free agency because we do have a max slot open. And if we could just become this team where Alonzo, Hart, Ingram, and Kuzma get valuable playoff experience, LeBron shows to the world that he's still LeBron, and... Yeah, that'll just be very huge for us coming into free agency. It'll show that people can come and can win with LeBron at this stage in his career with the Los Angeles Lakers. And if you win in LA, you become a you become ten times more popular with your legacy, with your fan base, than you do anywhere else. And that is just I wouldn't even say that's an opinion, that's a fact. Like Lamar Odom has a huge following because he played in LA. Pau Gasol, who, I mean, who is this great player, perennial all-star, foreign, just, what he did with Team Spain is just fucking incredible. If Team USA never existed, Pau Gasol probably wins two or three gold medals. But he individually wasn't getting the notoriety in Memphis wasn't getting the notoriety in Chicago after he left LA. He wasn't getting the notoriety when he played in San Antonio right now. But when he won championships in LA, everyone was talking about him. His legacy is going to be this outstanding factor. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. His number is going to go into the rafters. And when your number goes into the rafters in LA, you are a goddamn legend. Just look at the numbers up in the rafters. For that honor to be what you have, it's pretty satisfying looking up and seeing Kareem, Shaq, Kobe, Magic, Wilt. Like, those are five of the top 10, 15 greatest players of all time. If your number is next to those, good God. So a lot of that should be a huge factor in seeing us make the Western Conference Finals this year. A all-star like Kevin Durant or if we trade for AD. There are just so many factors that can go into this where the player's like, hey, I want to play in L.A. I want my number up there because I know if my number is up there, that is the that is just the cream of the crop. That is the, that's just, that's basketball royalty. And if your number is a part of that, that probably does so much wonder for you individually. And that might be what Kevin Durant needs. He's very, how would you call that? He's very... He cares what other people think about him. So if he can get his number by retired by L.A., that would just put away all the doubt. So I feel like that should be his next move. Because you can get retired by the Thunder where, eh, what, Gary Payton's your best player in franchise history besides you? Or Russell, I can't get out of the first round of Westbrook gets his number retired too. I mean, you can go to Boston where they don't even have, what, more than one or two top 20 players of all time? So just Laker royalty is different than the rest of the NBA. And that's just a goddamn fact. And more about the Rockets, like they've fallen apart. They don't look like the same team they did last year. And that's wing depth. That's um, just not trying on defense and just not being able to 
play winning basketball. Trevor Ariza is a player that who cares? He missed all those shots in Game 7. He still plays winning basketball. And when Trevor Ariza is able to be traded for on December 15th, I expect him to have so many suitors that it's going to be crazy. I want him back in L.A. But I feel like the Rockets might try to get him back. And I have this interesting theory about uh, Mike D'Antoni where he has this great season, this great one run, and then his team falls apart. He's basically the Jose Marino of the NBA who goes places, has one great year, gets fired. Happened in Phoenix, happened in New York, sort of happened in L.A., and it might happen in Houston. And then that Chris Paul contract is just god-awful. And I don't know how they're going to get out of that, but you never know. Um, and then let, like the rest of the West, you have the Grizzlies, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Jazz, the Kings, the Spurs. Like I don't fear those teams. And I know I'm missing some, but those are just some of the ones I listed, and I don't fear those teams. LeBron will be the best player on the court outside of maybe the Pelican series, because AD is a monster, but he doesn't have that experience. LeBron does, so I just feel like LeBron can single-handedly shape each series in a way that no other player on the court could. So that's why we'd have the edge. Plus, our young players are playing great. Our supporting cast is doing what they should be. So it's just awesome like thinking about it. I don't even think that's a hot take. That should be pretty well known, but you won't hear it from the talk shows because they hate the Laker young core and they hate LeBron's supporting cast. They're just going to shit on LeBron's cast to build up LeBron, which I get. The You see the Warrior fans do that as well right now where they kind of downplay the importance of KD just to build up Steph Curry's legacy. So it happens with great players, but it is what it is. And that'll transition into our next segment, which is the King era in Staples. And what, two weeks ago, LeBron had probably his worst game in LA, and that was when he faced the Nuggets. He had like 14 points. He was like 5 of 15. He was turning the ball over, wasn't trying on defense, and we got blown out that game. But since then... LeBron's been next to perfect in the last three games. He destroyed the Pacers like he did last year in the playoffs. He had a crazy stat line of 38-9-7. He was efficient. He played defense that game. So with LeBron, when we need him to make that switch, it happens. We don't want it to happen that often this year because we want to preserve his legs. But just seeing him being able to put up 38-9-7, it, it, it made it look easy. It's just... It's crazy that we get to watch it this year at his age. We haven't seen a player do that at his age since Kobe did it in 2012-13. And they're putting up probably similar stats that year to each other, um, similar age, kind of similar, like, um, how would you say it, supporting cast. Uh, Pau Gasol was no longer what he was. Steve Nash was no longer what he was. Dwight Howard was kind of injured. So while those names seem like they're valuable, um, the production for what the young core has done for compared to what the, those three players I just listed is pretty goddamn similar. So it's like, yes, you can say LeBron's carrying this team right now, but other players are producing and helping. And I mean, the greatest thing about LeBron right now is the minutes have been down for him this year. It seems like Luke, it seems like LeBron is just going to manage his minutes as best as they can this season. And it's to prevent a Kobe-like injury that happened in 2012-13. Um, if Kobe had a coach that was able to command respect and command like presence like a Phil Jackson, maybe Kobe could have been limited on minutes and that Achilles injury would have never happened. But he had Mike push over D'Antoni, who just 
said, I don't want to get fired. I'm going to let Kobe do whatever the hell he wants. And sometimes you need to be able to bring your star players under check. And that's not what D'Antoni does. He just lets people do whatever the hell they want. You play his system. If you win, great. If you lose, he's going to throw you under the bus. And that's how Mike D'Antoni coaches his teams. And I'm so glad that, hell, even though he did win coach of the year last year, and even though the Rockets are better with him as a head coach, I just don't like the guy. And I, I think he's a bitch. And I think he's an overrated coach. Uh, wasn't deserving of the coach of the year. There were way more coaches more deserving than that motherfucker. And it is what it is. And LeBron's minutes have been down this year. He's at, what, like 32 per game, 33? And against the Dallas Mavericks, he only played 31. Against the Phoenix Suns, he only played 30. Minute preservation is key this year. I don't want to see injuries happen to LeBron because if injuries happen to LeBron and we start losing games, you're going to hear, oh, the Lakers need this, the Lakers need LeBron, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want anyone to get hurt from this team this year because I think each player on this team is valuable. Can the Lakers win more games with LeBron or without LeBron than the Cavs are doing without LeBron? Probably. I have way more faith in this supporting cast than I do the Cleveland Cavaliers supporting cast, so I think they could probably stay above water, but I don't want to be that eighth seed come playoff time, so yeah, like everyone just stay healthy. It shouldn't be a problem if um, if we stay healthy with not turning ankles like Hart and Lonzo have done, uh, if we don't break hands like Rondo has done, and what I've noticed with LeBron this year is when he can, he stays on the ground. And what I mean by that is he doesn't overjump. He, um, like, if you notice his three-point shot, like, he barely, like, jumps. If you've noticed with him around the rim this year, he's barely jumping unless it's, like, a wide-open dunk. Um, he's not really going to try and block someone's shot yet this year. I just feel like he's saving himself, himself for the playoffs. And Kobe did that as well his 2012-2013 season. He said he's only going to dunk when it's absolutely goddamn necessary. So I just see a lot of resemblance between the two goats at their stages in the career like this 2018-19 season is like the two players are very they're looking very similar although the records are not and that's because Steve Nash, Pau Gasol, and Dwight Howard all missed a lot of games that year so Kobe was playing with the likes of Carl Clark I believe Steve Blake was there if not it was uh what Chris Duhon God, who the hell was our backup point guard that played? But, yeah, that team was very injury-riddled, and I hope this team is not. And my only problem with LeBron, and this is not a shocking problem. It's it's not even just a LeBron problem, which I'll get into in my next segment. It's our team is terrible at the free throw line, and we are turning the ball over way too much. I hope we're able to fix that come playoff time because you can't be that sloppy and you have to knock down the free points when they come. But outside of that, LeBron is doing everything that we can ask him to do. He's leading this team. He's helping these players get in the right spots. Um, yes, he sometimes does have lapses on defense where he just doesn't give a damn, but he does have moments where he actually plays very good individual and team defense, so I'm not going to get on him about that. Every single player on this team kind of has those moments as well. So it's going great in LA for LeBron. We're 14 and nine, the best record we've had in five to six years. Um, if you look at LeBron's starts in LA 
in Miami and in Cleveland, like the first year he got there, we are on pace for their win totals as well. The Cavaliers in 2014-15 were 14-9, and the Miami Heat were 15-8. So we are on pace to keep up with that win production, and that's fantastic because you look at the teams. Miami had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Cleveland had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. So you can talk all the shit you want about our young core, but we're keeping pace with LeBron and two All-Stars. So it's pretty fucking dope. Like King Era and Staples is going very fucking well right now. Let us get to the big shit popping and little shit stopping portion of the podcast. And right now, like for little shit, it's team three-point and free-throw percentages. Like, it's awful. Like, we need to fix that because we need to be able to space the floor when the games actually matter. We need to be able to knock down our free-throws when games actually matter. We can't just leave points on the board. That's going to come back to bite us in the ass, especially if we keep turning the ball over like the way that we are. I believe in the past two or three games, LeBron, Ingram, and Lonzo have combined for more turnovers than assists, and that's just not acceptable. Like, we need to stop going for the home run pass every single time and just make the easy pass. Because our team has shown they are willing passers and the ball will keep moving. So instead of throwing the home run pass every single time, the flashy pass, the full court pass, unless it's like 80% likely of converting, just don't try it. Because we need those possessions, especially... You can't lose the turnover battle, you can't lose the free throw battle, and you can't lose the three-point battle and expect to win a playoff series. If we're losing if we are behind in all three of those, it's gonna be very hard to win. So we need to change that, we need to turn that around. And that's not rocket science. You can't expect to beat a team if you shoot worse at the free throw line in three point percentage and you turn the ball over. That's like that's mission impossible right there. Mission impossible right there. That is that almost can't happen. Like I would be very shocked if we were able to actually win a playoff series like that. Although we've won games where that has actually happened, but they aren't pretty. It comes down to the last second of the game where we should have beaten this team by 5-10, to 10, and that's another big concern. There are some of these games where we should be winning by 20 to freaking at least 15 to 20 points, and it's coming down to the last minute of the game where we're only up 3 or 4. That should not happen. Like, we need to take care of business the correct way to give people rest and to give our young players that don't get minutes a time to shine like we did with Mo and Svi last game. And the last little shit stopping point is going to be we lost four winnable games that we should have won, and that's two to the Magic and two to the Spurs. Um, we just came out flat in both games. Didn't make free throws against the Spurs. Uh, we couldn't get a rebound against Vucevic. And those are four games that, if you think about it, we're 14-9 right now. We would be 18-5 and had we won those four games. I'm not even talking about the other games because the other five losses because those are understandable losses. Like, we lost to the um, Blazers opening night. We lost to the Rockets. We got destroyed by the Nuggets. So those are three losses. Like, uh, okay, I get... But those four losses right there to the Magic and Spurs, those should have been wins. We kind of kicked ourselves in the foot by letting those go, and I hope they don't come back to bite us and 
come playoff seeding time. And if we had won those games, we'd be first seed in the West right now, which would have been fucking fantastic and kind of on pace for my hopeful, like, dream scenario that this Laker team would have came out firing. But we've heated up over the last 20 games, and that's all you can ask for. This team is getting better as the season goes on, and that's all you can ask for a very young team. Let's get to the big shit popping part and effort. I love the intensity. I love the effort that the Lakers are playing with outside of the first quarter. We've had some first quarter woes this season, but after that, we turn it on. We play great team defense. We hustle. We get back in transition. After a turnover, we seem to share the ball a lot better, and I don't know why we come out so sluggish, but it just happens. So the effort outside of the first quarter is fantastic, and we need to keep that up all season. If we can ever get that to happen for all four quarters this team will be insane because we have enough depth to where we could keep up this effort and when you're tired another player can come in and give you a rest we have the depth for that so this team shouldn't come out to sluggish starts because it should be go 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 because we have people that can play on the bench like we have rondo lance hart tyson beasley and then Mo and Zvi, like we have capable, and KCP, we have capable backups. It's not like um, Golden State where their backups are trash. It's not like Cleveland last year where their backups were trash. No, we actually have people that can play. So our starters need to come out with more effort in the first quarter to allow this team to flourish into the team that it needs to be come playoff time. And next part is going to be Michael Beasley, who against the Phoenix Suns looked fantastic. Um, he didn't seem to try too hard. Like He didn't take dumb shots. He took shots that came to him, and that's kind of what we needed Michael Beasley to do. Uh, it seems like Michael Beasley has taken Lance's spot in the rotation. I think that'll only be until Rondo comes back, but at least Michael Beasley is showing you what he's able to do. He hit a couple threes. He drove to the basket, got fouled a couple times. He made some layups that were highly contested, and... He just played within the flow of the game. He looked like the player that he was in New York last season. He looked like the player that was in Miami a couple seasons ago, and he just looks dope. Like, Yes, there are going to be a couple boneheaded plays that he makes, but with Lance, who was making a couple of boneheaded plays per game, it's almost a change of scenery with Beasley, who kind of plays within the flow of it. He knows that his job is just go out there and score. Like, our second unit needs a bucket getter. Go out there and do that. And he and Ingram kind of developed this nice, like, pick-and-pop um, um, feel, and that's great to see because that helps Ingram's game. If you look at last year, he definitely benefited more with Brooke Lopez on the team because he was able to stretch the floor for him. So Beasley's able to do that for him off the pick-and-pop, and that's great. Um, also, shout-out Big Mo. He was able to score his first NBA points, and he actually scored a lot of them. He had 10 points in the fourth quarter against the Suns. He had two threes, he made a couple free throws, and there was one play where he crossed over DeAndre Ayton, who can't play a lick of defense, and it's just great to see that Mo is back to kind of being healthy. You can kind of see where his legs are still kind of weak. He missed some wide-open layups, like many players in the NBA do. It's not just a Lonzo Ball thing. Players miss layups in the NBA, and if you're surprised by that, I don't know what games you watch or if you just box score watch, because I watched the Pistons and the Cavaliers, no, no, it was the Pistons and the Thunder last night for like the first two quarters, 
And in that first quarter, I saw Blake Griffin miss a layup. I saw Andre Drummond miss a layup. And these are very good looks, and both players missed it. So it's not just Lonzo doing this. It's a lot of fucking people. And it's just dope to see Mo, like, he looks like he can contribute come April. Like, I'm not saying he's going to take away Tyson's minutes or JaVale's, but I think he might get some power forward minutes at times where he could play with them because he can stretch the floor and shoot, and that was the biggest thing. He made those two threes, and I'm like, thank God we have a center that can come out there and stretch the floor. I just need to see him more setting screens to realize if he can play in the pick-and-pop and pick-and-roll um, area of the game. We'll see. Um, Lonzo's defense, fantastic. Like, big shit popping, my man. Like, when you pick up 94 feet, when you play the passing lanes like you do, like, he had five steals against the Mavericks and four steals against the Suns. That's nine in two games. That shit was dope. Like, that was... Fantastic. Yes, he had that steal where he missed the layup wide at or he missed the layup layup right after, but like not a lot of people can play like that and get that steal. So he just does things that other people can't. He's playing great one-on-one defense. I believe he's holding opposing people to like 38% shooting from the field and there's a noticeable difference with field goal percentage when he's on and off. So that's what you want to see. And his net rating is getting better. His defensive rating is getting better. His offensive rating is getting better. If you follow Tim, who makes the uh, the B-ball index, I believe, like he has improved with his overall grading from every single area on the floor. So he is getting better. It seems like that ankle injury is still bothering him, but he's playing through it. And next part is KCP, who is the godfather of free throws. I think the broadcast had said he made 27 straight and holy hell if we didn't have kcp our team free throw percentage would be probably five to ten points worse because he's shooting 90 ish percent from the line and that's fantastic keep playing great defense kcp and like if you've listened to previous episodes i'm i've been upset i've been gloomy i've been fuck everything this episode has been a very positive one there's not a lot to be upset about right now when the Lakers are five games above 500. And hopefully we're six and seven games above 500 by Friday, but we'll see. And also, last big shit popping before we get into the player segments is I love how Brandon Ingram takes control when LeBron goes out. And yes, we've seen the stats with LeBron on and LeBron off for Ingram, but hey, he's still able to score when LeBron's on, but. Ingram, when LeBron is off, looks like a total different player, and he looks like the player that is going to be an all-star. Now it's just figuring out how to do that while LeBron is on the court. It almost is like Ingram needs two different styles of play on offense while LeBron's on the court because Ingram is playing great defense. If you look at his individual matchups nightly, he helped hold Luka to that terrible percentage that he had. He helped hold C.J. McCollum to that terrible percentage he had in that third game against us. So he's able to influence the game in so many other ways, and that's fantastic. He just needs to now learn how to play with Braun on offense, and then it's just all-star for him. Like He has the tools. It's just putting it all together now. And he's only 21, so I understand maybe he's a slow learner, but he's going to get there and just have patience with him. And let's get into the player segments real quick. Kuzmania is back, and I think it's better than ever. Last season, I didn't see him play like this, where 
he has impressed the hell out of me. And like I said, I'm not one that only just looks at points. And although Kyle Kuzma last year had some great scoring performances last year, I didn't see him play like this. This is the most impressive game that I've games that I've seen Kuzma play where he seems to impact not just on the offense but defense and rebounding. That's the Kyle Kuzma we need. And even he passes now too. And like shout out Luke for figuring out a way to help Kyle Kuzma make an impact on defense. Because in the beginning of the season it looked bleak when we were trying to have him guard the small five. But man, when he guards perimeter players like He's not an easy bucket, and that's fantastic because now you have this place where his offense will outweigh his defense, and we can keep him on the court at all times, which is fantastic because he's improved on the defense to where he can make this impact. Like Just watch him fight through screens. Watch him trail the shooter on defense, and that kind of takes away his happy feet because if he's constantly moving, he's not just like stuck there, and then when his man gets past the ball, he's out of position. No, he seems to always be in position now when he's fighting through screens and fighting with the shooter. So it's just great. Like I didn't see this from Kyle Kuzma at all last year. So this is definitely something that Luke noticed in practice that was like, hey, let's try this. And why we are able to try that is because we have JaVale or Tyson back there at the five, we have Ingram, LeBron, and Lonzo, who are all long, who can all guard multiple positions. So we can say, hey, Kyle, you're guarding this player tonight. Hey, Kyle, you're guarding this player tonight. Learn their tendencies. They're going to be running the entire night. Stick with them. This is what they like to catch the ball. Get them off that. And that's it. He has a very simple task on defense, but it's a very important task. And if he is able to continue this kind of impact on the defensive side of the ball, like... He could be an all-star as well. Like, I am just so happy with the things I've seen from Kyle Kuzma. Like, it's... Like, he, right now, after these two games, one of the players, like, I'm most excited about. Like, I know Lonzo and Ingram are are two young prospects who have a ton of potential talent on both sides. And I don't want to, like... I think all four young core players are in the same category with Lonzo, Hart, Kuzma, and Ingram. Like, I think they all have this special I think they all have the special ability that can all someday become an all-star like I think individually they all could but right now Kuzma is just showing things that I didn't see from him last year and it's just it's amazing it's kind of like when how would you when let's see how would I describe this when kind of how Luke Skywalker became Luke Skywalker. Like, when you first saw him, he was this tentative, shy person that could, like... Nah, never mind. It's That'll take too long to get into, but it's just amazing that Kuzma can now actually impact the ball on the defense. He's now making that extra pass on offense. He actually had, what, six assists last game or the game before, where I think he had more assists than Lonzo Ingram and LeBron, so it's kind of crazy that He's been passing better, and he also doesn't turn the ball over that much, which is what you want. You want a high assist-to-turnover ratio, and that's what he's doing. Um, he said he wants to become a more complete player, and if you just watch the game, he is. He's making the right play. He's making the winning basketball move, which is something I'm going to stress until 
my breath like gives out. It's we have the talent. Now it's just getting these players to play winning basketball, and that's what Kyle Kuzma is doing. And last season you'd see him force some shots. Earlier in the season you'd see him force force some shots. Now he understands, hey, I like the ball in these certain spots. Let me not jack up the shot. Let me pass it to one of my teammates who can pass me the ball in that spot. Like, we have players that will find you if you cut or if you get in that sweet spot that you have. Like, we have Lonzo, LeBron, Ingram, and Rondo. Let them make it way easier for you, and that's what he's doing. And he's cutting so well. Um, I believe... Out of all the players LeBron passes it to, Kuzma has the highest uh, finishing rate from the assist total for LeBron. So that's cool to see. And like, it's just dope. Like These are things that we got on Kyle Kuzma for doing last year. Not playing defense, not passing, and just forcing up shots. The past couple games, he's like just made that switch. And I'm like, yo, that's my man. That's Kyle Kuzma. That's who we praise and who we thought should have been Rookie of the Year. That's the first team all-rookie player right there. And it also seems like he found his three-point shot. So hopefully that stays because there were a couple... There was a long stretch where he was in the 20s for, like, percentage-wise from three. Lately, he's brought that up. So if Kuzma can keep this up, this recent stretch of just beautiful basketball, it'll be special. We just need him to be more efficient from the field and convert free throws, which we need the entire team to do. That is a team-wide problem. Be more efficient, convert your free throws. So it's not just Kuzma, it's the entire team. And I am just so ecstatic that Kyle Kuzma, Kuzmania, is back in the motherfucking building. Um, let's get to the last player segment, and that's Josh Hart. He seems to be back at full health, and like you could see, last year, if you had an ankle injury, our training staff was going to hold you out. This year, nah, uh it's go time. So these players aren't used to playing through injury at the NBA level, which... There's more games. It's not college where you play like twice a week. This is the NBA where you might play three to four times a week. You play 82 games in a season, not 30. So this is a huge aspect for these young guys to figure out is how to play through an injury. This is something that Lonzo and Josh have kind of struggled with so far because they're used to once they're hurt, they're out. Now it's you're hurt. Hey, you're still going to get minutes. You better go out there and produce or you're going to get pulled. And when Josh Hart was dealing with that ankle injury, he wasn't running, he wasn't finishing a transition, and all he did was settle for threes. And he wasn't hitting those. And on defense, he looked like a, like he just wasn't there. So he wasn't the Josh Hart that we're accustomed to. Now that his ankle seems to be 100%, he's back. He's attacking the rim in transition. He's knocking down the open shot. He's locking bigs and perimeter, perimeter players up on defense. He's hustling. He's playing great D. He's diving on the floor. He's just doing everything that a winning basketball player needs. Like, I don't give a fuck about stats. Like, stats are cool to, like, kind of use as a um, as a point, but it shouldn't be your entire point. I need to see you make those hustle plays. I need to see you play the game the correct way. And Josh Hart is in most of our very successful lineups. Like, if the, like the team lineups and all that other shit, he's... And the better ones. He's just a player that doesn't need the ball, but that can produce, which he and Lonzo have a lot of similarities with that like instance. Um, Kuzma and Ingram need the ball a little bit more than Josh Hart and Lonzo, but they all 
like it just it's cool to see man like i am a huge young core believer i'm a huge young core truther and it's just it's great to see that these players are getting this experience with lebron like this is something that i was jealous about with the celtics last year with young core winning games with kyrie this is something that i was jealous of the philadelphia 76ers getting which was playoff experience this was something i was jealous of donovan mitchell getting last year with the jazz which was playoff experience that team this year though looks terrible and it's just good to see that these players are hey their shot might not be falling that certain night but they're doing other things and I don't like that Josh Hart says he felt left out from the young core when recently, like, he's been in, like, he is one of the, like, he's one of them. He's not just this plus piece. No, he's part of the young core for the Fantastic Four, the Four Horsemen, whatever you want to call them. He is, he has earned the right to be involved with that chatter, and he should not feel left out from that. He is a big piece in the young core, and he is going to be a monster come playoff time. And I'm just happy that his ankle's all healed, and we just need to keep away from injuries from this young core because not only do they need to stay healthy to help us win games, but they also need to stay healthy so they can work on their games when they have three days off like they have had from Sunday till right now. Like they can all, they all need to stay healthy so they can work on their individual game so they can develop and also help us. So produce now and develop now for the future. That's what these young players need to do with their health. And I mean, I don't even know if I should get into the Anthony Davis rumor because there are some verified people. And I guess one of LeBron's like, what do you say, buddies, which is Cuff the Legend. I've never seen him be correct but I've never looked at him being correct. Like I didn't know this guy's Twitter page existed until like September. So I don't know how accurate he is with some of his like insider information, but those people have started to talk about the Pelicans magic and Lakers being involved in a trade. And like, I'm happy where we are, but obviously Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, but like, I don't know. I'm happy. I'm not the one that has to make that decision. And when the day comes to where we need to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But until then, just let it be. Whatever happens, happens. Now let's get to the prediction time of this podcast. And that is, we play the Spurs tomorrow night, Wednesday night in LA. Then we play them Friday night in San Antonio. And that's going to start like a mini road trip for us where you play the Grizzlies and the Rockets after that. But I'm only going to predict the Spurs games. And I think we go 2-0. I think... The home game, we win by 10 to 15, and I think the away game, we win by like five. Um, I think LeBron knows that we need to finish the season series at least two and two against them, just in case the Spurs are in playoff mode come later in the season, because we don't want them, we don't want the Spurs having the tiebreaker. I also think that some of the young players and LeBron are upset that the Spurs did win that game when LeBron hit that shot, but he also missed the free throws, so I just feel like they're going to come out with some hunger to them. Um... I think Lonzo's going to have a big, like, see, when I say big offensive game for him, I say, like, 15 points. Like, that's big for him. And that's all I think it ever needs to be. And same with, like, Ingram. I think a big night for Ingram would be, like, 25, 5, and 5. I think that's him right now. Kuzma's the guy that can get you 30 to 40 because when he is on fire, he is on fire, and that thing is going to go up, and that thing is going to go down. So it's just, it's wild that like we kind of already see 
the players that these people are becoming because like we've watched them for what together maybe 80 games now um i think lonzo is approaching uh he had what 52 games last year he's played 23 this year so he's going to be at game 76 and 77 he hasn't even played a full season yet which is an 82 game season and he's going to be hopefully 100% healthy against the Spurs. So I think he's going to go off like 15, 8, and 8, which is a very good stat line for him. And he's going to get like three steals. I think Ingram's going to have 23, 4, and 3 in one of these games. I think Kuzma's going to go like 28 and 10 for one of these games. And a player that I have not talked about today enough is Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee. Us having capable NBA centers with the team that we have has been a tremendous boost for us. Um, we saw what we were with Jonathan Williams, and although he was playing fantastic for what he like actually is, who is a G League player, now that we have a capable championship caliber center, like we've we're top I think two defense with Tyson Chandler with uh, efficiency, which is crazy. Also, this needs to go in the big shit pop in portion of the podcast. We have played tremendous team defense the last month. We were terrible in October, yet in November, we're a top 10 defensive team. And we just look like, let's see, we look just like a brand new team with Tyson Chandler. And it's not because he's this, like, 25 and 10 player right now. No, he's like a three-point-a-night, eight-rebound-a-night type guy. But he just brings intangibles. He brings... 15 to 20 minutes of just hustle plays of just knowing where to be knowing where to like position himself knowing where to tap the ball out to knowing how to contest a shot and it's just dope like like this team is just fantastic and i can't stress that enough december 15th is approaching which is when people can be traded and like a month ago where like i was just you know when the lakers have a below 500 record it depresses the hell out of me so like a month ago maybe i would have been ready for some trades but now i'm like like unless we can get hit this home run with a guarantee that KD is coming next year i don't know man like i i just want to fight with the team that is there right now kind of like i just wanted us to run it back with lebron last year where we kept everyone but just out of lebron which we could have done but it would have probably messed up our future financial bill or my uh, like our future cap space, but like I definitely love the direction this young team is going. And if they can stay healthy, just watch out. They're going to make some noise this year. And to all those people that have to deal with us Laker fans on the timeline on Twitter, I'm sorry. Like us older ones that have been around for multiple Laker titles, like we kind of deal with it better. But man, those young kids, it's hilarious to see how much like energy and effort they bring to the Lakers basketball timeline and what they bring to NBA Twitter, because if we ever get that number one seed this year, or if we beat the Warriors, the app is going to crash. Laker Nation is the biggest fan base in the entire world for the NBA, so if we become the team that we might become, either this year or next year, just be prepared for it. You're going to have to mute us, or block us, or do whatever the hell it is. Delete all your old tweets where you said the Lakers weren't going to be anything, because once one of us find that, it gets recycled through all of our Laker accounts. So good luck. Be careful what you tweet. And man, like this is an exciting time for Laker fans. I know I say that a lot, but it's just, it really is. 
You can see the players becoming who they're going to become. You can see the veteran leadership that this team has. You can see the GOAT-like player LeBron is. And it's just great that they're all just blending in very well together. There has been no team chemistry issues like a lot of people thought there would be. I believe like Tim, Bo Timps, or whatever his fucking name is. And many others suggested if you put all these characters into one room, things might happen. But no, like you saw the entire team celebrate Mo Wagner's first bucket, first points. And until the next time we speak, go Lakers. Go Lakers.